Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service of worship this morning. I begin with the words of Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So as we come to worship this morning, we worship a God who has revealed himself as one who is with us everywhere and in every situation, whose hands guide us, whose presence holds us fast. So let us pray. Father, search us today. Know all our hearts. Help us to know that not only are you the one who sees everything, but that you love us, you care for us, you want the best for our lives. And that's why Jesus has come to be our saviour, rescuer and redeemer. We worship you today, Lord, that you forgive all our sins and heal all our diseases, that you rescue our life from the pit. Or in the words of Psalm 139, you hold us and you guide us. And so, Lord, in worship today, may your spirit come and speak to us of your great love for us in Jesus and how, how Jesus is our rescuer and Lord and of what it means to follow you and to worship you and to live our lives in glory to you today. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 15. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Amen. Thank you for Catherine for reading to us the God's word from Matthew 6. I've given the title of what we have read, Rearranging the Ashes or Living for God's Glory. Two types of living. You're either rearranging the ashes around you or you're living for God's glory. Now, the title of that comes from this story about a so-called holy man who lived in a far eastern city. As a sign of great humility, he covered himself with ashes. And every day he would put himself on the most prominent street corner in the city and sit there all day. And the story goes that tourists would come up and ask for his picture and he would take ashes and rearrange them over his body so to give the best image of destitution and humility. And they would take a picture of this man who to them had renounced the, all the trappings of modern wealth and then he would ask for the tip for the photograph. So someone said in the light of this story, a great deal of religion amounts to nothing more than rearranging religious ashes to impress the world with one supposed humility and devotion. The problem, of course, is that the humility is a sham and the devotion is to self and not to God. So in our passage, in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, be careful. Be careful the way you give, and he assumes you will. Be careful the way you pray, and he assumes you will. Be careful the way you fast, and he assumes you will. Be careful of the way you live out your faith, because all you may be doing is like this man in this eastern city of rearranging the ashes over you, in order to look holy in the eyes of others. So Jesus gives three examples. We've only read two this morning. Next week, we'll think about the third and the words after that, um, giving to the poor, praying and fasting. Earlier, he said that we must shine. But now Jesus is saying you must shine for the right reasons and you must shine in the right direction in giving glory to God. So the first one, first illustration uh, of uh, a righteousness that is not to be like others is in the way that we give. There are two places in Jesus' day where you could give to the poor or almsgiving as it is specifically called. You could go to the streets because that's where the beggars were or you could give to the local synagogue or in the temple uh, in Jerusalem and its worship. And these ashes rearrangers blow their own trumpets. Jesus is talking about people who say, hey, look at me. There's a big giver on the way to the temple here. There's a big giver up to the offering plate 
uh, in the temple. There's a big giver giving to this beggar on the street. These people are, are like um, people who carry these big publicity checks for photo shoots that everyone can't miss. It's as if they're drawing attention to themselves and their giving by blowing their own trumpets. Whether these were literal trumpets that were the ones that sounded um, the offering and the feast days in the temples, or whether it was just um, Jesus metaphorically speaking of how they drew attention to themselves that everybody could see them doing this great act of charity. Jesus calls them hypocrites, which was the word for actors, uh, who play actors in the theatres in those days, people who pretended to be someone else. Jesus says these hypocrites, these actors, are assuming a false identity and putting on a theatrical display. And what they're after is earthly rewards. In fact, they're not giving at all, Jesus says. They're actually buying. By their money that they, they give to others, they're buying publicity, they're buying praise, they're buying recognition. And so Jesus says they get what they paid for. God owes them nothing because God was never their motivation in the first place. And so he doesn't have anything to give them. They get their reward, which was their own praise and recognition. Now think about this a bit deeply. Jesus is saying you can do the right thing. But because you do it for the wrong reason, you have no reward from heaven and God has no interest in it. You could be the most generous Christian around and yet have no heavenly benefit from it because your motivation for giving was yourself and not God in the first place. Jesus wants his disciples to be givers for the glory of God. And so he says that when you give, do not announce it. Basically, don't tell anyone. You don't need to tell anyone that you're giving. Just give. But he, he goes even further. Don't even tell yourself in your own heart. He says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Do not even make it a pride issue within yourself. I know sometimes uh, in my own heart, I've been tempted to tell thinking about telling people how much I have given to a particular cause. And to be truthful, it is nothing compared to the sacrifice that, that many other Christians make all around the world every day. But in my own weakness, there's a pride issue. And the very fact that I have thought that, even though I haven't spoken it, condemns me. And the people are saying self-consciousness in our own hearts can decay into self-righteousness. Because Jesus is saying that the truly righteous person is blissfully lacking in self-consciousness about their giving. Those of you who can play the piano after many years, most of us can ride a bike uh, or, or drive a car or read a book. All those years of being aware of struggling to, to master that skill, we don't even think about it now. We enjoy the reward that comes from reading a book and we get so involved in the plot of the story. Or we're riding a bicycle out along the countryside and we're enjoying the sounds of the birds and the sights. We, we forget that we're actually cycling or driving in the car. We, we are enjoying the traveling and what we're seeing there or playing the piano. We enjoy the music that is being created. We're not aware of actually what our fingers are doing. Jesus is saying, 
That's what it should be like for, for my disciples, that you're so intent of giving to the glory of God that you're not even aware in yourself or in your heart of actually what you're doing. It just becomes second nature to you, that your giving is just a response of your love of God and your love of others. And Jesus says to such people that your heavenly father who sees what is done in secret with no trumpet blasting and no pride within yourself will reward you. When we're thinking about oaths and truthfulness, Jesus challenges us that you can't separate levels of truthfulness because God is everywhere. God sees everything. And so every word that you speak is done in his presence. Everything that we give is given in God's presence. He sees our hearts and the best reward that we seek is actually um, himself and his glory. In fact, all these three illustrations end the same way, that your father who sees what is given in secret will reward you, that your father who sees what is prayed in secret will reward you, that your father who sees the fast done in secret will reward you. And then he says in chapter 6, verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. And so storing up treasures in heaven is related here to the way that we give to the needy, the way we pray, and the way we fast in these three examples. And Jesus could have chosen many others as well. He probably chose these three because the Pharisees thought these were the greatest religious acts there were. And he just demolishes uh, their arguments in this way. He's saying that they're getting all they're after is reward for themselves. But what we as his kingdom disciples should be after is the Father's reward. And so some questions that we need to ask ourselves about this bit. Do you want to tell people how generous you are to a certain cause? Jesus says, be careful. Sometimes people get annoyed that they are paying more into the church than others. Be careful. Jesus will teach us about the power of money in the next section. Don't be a person whose giving is like that beggar rearranging the ashes over themselves to look good. There is no value in that from God's perspective. And then Jesus goes on to these words about prayer. Uh, to use the imagery again, uh, these people who rearrange the ashes of them around them in prayer like to be seen and heard. That's the way that they rearrange the ashes around them. And Jesus talks about them uh, going to two places to, to show themselves to be great people of prayer, street corners and in the synagogues. Why do they go to street corners? Because when you stand on a street corner, you can be seen in two directions. They are out for maximum publicity. So not just stand in the middle of a street that goes in one direction. Let's go to a corner where two people, two roads and two groups of people either can see you with your arms standing high in, in prayer at the, the correct time of prayer. Uh, people were expected to pray uh, at the hour of the morning and evening sacrifices twice a day. And many added another time of prayer at midday. So the really holy people prayed three times a day uh, at, the, at the hour of prayer. They may not have prayed an hour, but at that time of prayer, they would stop wherever they are and pray. And so in Jesus' imagery here, you can imagine the hypocrites going out at the busiest time of the day for maximum publicity and just timing their movement 
that the hour of prayer just happens to coincide with the, the moment they reach the street corner and there they stop with a few other people. Some people didn't stop because they didn't care. But these pious ones, these really religious people would stop in the middle of what they were doing and they would pray to God. It's a street performance. Again, Jesus is using the theatrical word, uh, the, the word hypocrite of an actor who wears two masks in the theatre. The street corner is the perfect opportunity to let everybody see your stuff, how righteous and holy you are. A bit like the Pharisee in Jesus' parable. When he talks about the Pharisee saying, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, not alters, or even like this tax collector over here beside me in the temple, because I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Jesus' illustrations must have come from what he had seen in everyday life of the way such hypocrites conducted themselves and prayed publicly. Not only talks about the street corners, he talks about those who pray in the synagogue. Uh, people would have stood up before the Ark of the Covenant, raised their hands and prayed. And no doubt he, he heard them using the right cliches and dramatic pauses and the voice variations and emotion to impress the congregation in front of him. Jesus says that that type of prayer gets the reward it's after. It's after attention and publicity. It's not after talking to God and bringing a conversation to him and him alone. And so the person who prays like that gets their earthly reward. Jesus says, when we pray, go into your room, literally go into your closet, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. The word for, for room, for, for closet, was actually the small storage room inside a Palestinian house. A Palestinian house would be a single room, but there would be one secure room. That's the only one that could be locked. Uh, it was the least sanctified part of the home. The food for animals would be in it and all your precious things. But it was the most private part of the home because everybody else would be moving through the rest of that home. So Jesus says, go into that that tiny room, that closet, and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. What is prayer? Prayer is essentially that conversation between us as believers and the God who has made this world and loved us in Jesus. Jesus wants us to talk to the Father apart from outside distractions. And Jesus says that when you do that, when you make it not to be seen by others, but just a conversation between you and the Father, your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Not just performance prayers, then Jesus tackles those who are babblers, babbling prayers. I and mean, maybe he's challenging pagans, that's the Gentiles, who would pray to their Roman and Greek gods. Such religious people had the belief that if they got their God's name pronounced exactly, it's as if the God would waken up and focus in on them and hear their prayer. So they would keep saying that the name of that God many, many times, trying to, to change the accent of the variation so that they could get the pronunciation just right. And the God would hear them, waken up, hear their prayer, be pleased with it, answer them and bless them. So they thought they, they worshipped a God they had to manipulate to try and win over. But God 
of Jesus in the Bible, the true God is not someone we can manipulate, but someone we can trust. And that's why Jesus gives us this prayer, a prayer of trust to a heavenly father, the kind of prayer that God wants to hear. It's not a babbling prayer. It's not a performance prayer. Jesus says, when you pray, use these words. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but really it's the disciples prayer. And you know what? It's simple and it's short. It's not very long. It just states our priorities as disciples. Sometimes people say, I'm not a prayer. I don't know how to pray. Well, here's here's a way to pray. Pray the Lord's Prayer or pray, pray each line and just stop after each line and think about what that means. So our Father in heaven, think about, uh, Lord, you are a, a heavenly father. Thank you for being a father in my life. Think about his fatherness to you. Uh, hallowed be your name. Lord, make your name holy in my life. It might then result in some confession because you haven't made it holy and repentance, but that is your prayer. Your kingdom come, pray about his rule, his will uh, coming into our lives. Go through each line of the Lord's Prayer and use it as a springboard to reflect and to pray about how that prayer, those priorities come in to your own life. So here are some questions again that we must reflect upon. Do we pray frequently alone with God more than we might do in public? Because that is what Jesus is encouraging us to. Jesus not against public prayer. Uh, the early church, look at those early chapters of Acts, the church came together to pray, but they're not praying as a performance. They're not praying uh, being aware of what others are saying. They're praying to God and everybody's saying their amen to their prayer led towards the Lord. I think there's a temptation in, in our church to think that we are coming to a God we can manipulate. But that's a pagan kind of thinking of, uh, of the God that they pray to. But when you come to a father who is good and cares for you. And later Jesus is going to go on and tell us that the type of God that we pray to uh, so do not worry about your life, uh, God that we can trust. And so that's the kind of heavenly father he is. Sometimes I think that the reason people don't pray in public is because they are praying to the crowd and not to God. And so as we try and answer these questions in our own life, go to your closet, go to that private area, close the door and just start opening up to God who as a heavenly father cares for you. So here are two, two ways of living our faith, which Jesus begins, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. So here is Jesus is teaching us uh, how to live our acts of righteousness before others in a way that is glorifying to God. So we must answer the question, are we a person who does such things for the recognition of others? From God's perspective, we are like that beggar sitting on that street, rearranging the ashes to look good for the tourist photograph because they think how holy that person is. But what kind of future are you giving yourself when you've settled for such a poor reward of people's recognition and praise? The Father's reward is surely what we want for eternity and the treasures in heaven that he will bless us with. And so to protect us from taking pride in what amounts to nothing in relation to eternity, give quietly 
without drawing attention to it, even in your own heart. Pray in a way that is between you and the Lord. And you know what? Your life will change for the better. You will find yourself living more in the daily presence of the Lord. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, The Lord is everywhere. He sees it all. He knows your heart. Other people do not. So when you wake up in the morning, we should immediately remind ourselves that we are in the presence of God. It's not a bad thing to say to ourselves before we go any further. Throughout the whole of this day, everything I do and say and attempt and think and imagine is going to be done under the eye of God. He's going to be with me. He sees everything. He knows everything. There is nothing I can do or attempt, but God is fully aware of it all. My God sees me. Martin Lloyd-Jones says that would revolutionise our lives if we always did that every morning. And so really Jesus is saying here, live your life in the awareness of the presence of God and for his glory. Each day then, start something like this. God, because you know all things, you know my motivations. Lord, may you be my motivation in everything I do. Help me live my life for you today. And by that, like playing the piano, riding a bike, driving a car, reading a book, you will forget about what it means to pray or to give, but you will just do that as second nature and enjoy the reward of God's presence because you're aware of his love and his care for you every moment of your life. So what a great God we have. The God of that Jesus comes and reveals to us as one who cares for us, who loves us, who calls us into a fellowship with himself. He, and Jesus is warning us, don't settle for second rate living or fifth rate or even tenth rate living. Seek the thing that I've come to bring you, the presence of God and his fatherly love over you today. For some of us, that demands some repentance and confession in our own lives, in our own hearts. We've got to get away from pride for our own self-importance, for, for our own self-consciousness about who we are or being aware of what we're doing of how others will see us it's a terrible burden uh, to, to 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 have upon you that you're always thinking about how other people might think about you just enjoy what god thinks about you and his love for you and you giving glory to him now as we go through jesus teaching here this will help us understand more fully how we can be free in this way by living for the glory of God and shining as a light for him, for all the world to see. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you that you are everywhere. Help the reality of this truth sink into our lives, that you're not just with us now in worship, that you're with us as we sleep at night, when we rise in the morning, you are in that secret place uh, when we go alone, you're in that public place when everyone can see us. You, you hear everything that we say and you do all our thoughts. So Lord, set us free from being aware of others, but also loving others for the sake of your kingdom and your glory. Help us to follow you in this way by how we give and how we pray. And may Jesus' words here free us to be more fully yours, more fully your disciples and enjoy your presence in this way.
So Lord, help us to ask questions and to reflect upon our lives and our journey, but teach us what it means to, to enjoy your glory and your presence and to be motivated for it more than anything else. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.